Ashley. Hey, Nicole. It is our February Music Monday. I'm so excited, and we're doing this over video, which is new and fun. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited. Um, Ashley, why don't you tell us about what this episode is going to cover? Yeah. So this month, we're in the middle of Epiphany in the church calendar. It's the brief stint of ordinary time in between Advent and Lent. And lucky for us, February is also Black History Month. So today, we've each chosen a Black musical artist who has impacted our spirituality. Uh, but before we get to our choices, I want to take a moment to give some honorable mentions since we could only choose one person. So Nicole, who are your honorable mentions? Yeah, my honorable mentions are Kirk Franklin, Chance the Rapper, and Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce always. Always. Yeah, mine are Nina Simone, which I've already talked about on this podcast, um, Amanda Sudana Ramirez from the married duo Johnny Swim. She's oh, the daughter yeah. of Donna Summers. Right. I always forget that. Yeah. And uh, my third honorable mention is Ben Harper. Ben Harper. So, yes. Ben Harper. Yeah. So, uh, Nicole, who have you chosen as your one person? My one. Are we going to dive in? Is this it? Let's dive I'm going in. for it. Let's do it. Dive it in. Okay. My choice for this podcast is Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman was born on March 30th, 1964. She's an American singer-songwriter, a multi-platinum and four-time Grammy award-winning artist. Tracy's known for her hit singles, Fast Car, Talking About a Revolution, Baby, Can I Hold You, and Give Me One Reason. Uh, Tracy was born in Cleveland, Ohio, her parents divorced when she was just four years old, um, so she was raised by her mother, who, noticing that Tracy had a love for music, bought her a ukulele at age three. Around age eight, Tracy began playing and writing songs with a guitar, and as a young child growing up in Cleveland, she experienced frequent bullying and racially motivated assaults when she was 13 years old the Ohio school system began integrating black and white students. And Tracy tells stories. I mean, as private as she is, it's, it's a big deal that she even shares these stories. But she tells stories of being like attacked and beaten and almost killed by wow. a certain group of white students. Um, she was chosen just in an interesting like series of events. She was chosen uh, in a minority placement program um, and was able to go to... Uh, a school called Wooster. Um, it was a private prep school in Danbury, Connecticut for high school. And um, while she was there, she first heard of the contemporary folk music of Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Jackson Brown, artists who would influence her own singing and songwriting. Um, so following high school in Connecticut, she decided to attend Tufts University, where she studied anthropology and African studies. Um, just a fun fact, her whole life, she didn't think she was going to be a musician. She wanted to be a vet. And she she chose Tufts because of their veterinary program. Anyway, um, I thought that was interesting, but she changed her major soon after she got there. Uh, while at Tufts, Tracy became fascinated with folk rock and singer-songwriters, and she began performing her own songs at coffee houses. Eventually, she recorded a set of demos at the college radio station. Um, one of her fellow students, Brian Koppelman, 
heard Chapman play and knew he had to tell his father, who ran SBK Publishing, about her. So in 1986, through the help of this connection, she secured a management contract with Elliot Roberts, who had worked with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. So just very cool how like the stars were aligning. And with Roberts' help, Tracy was signed to Elektra in 1987. So it all happened very quickly. And at this point, Tracy says she was like cautiously optimistic. Um, About this time in her life, she has said, I have to say that I never thought I would get a contract with a major label. Since I was a kid listening to records and the radio, I didn't think there was any indication that record people would find the kind of music that I made marketable, especially when I was singing songs like Talking About a Revolution during the 70s. I didn't see a place for me there. Most of the industry agreed with her assessment. Even when she was signed, over a dozen producers refused to work with them on the album. Yeah. Eventually, producer David Kirschenbaum accepted the project. Uh, the album took eight weeks to record. When they played it for executives at Elektra, there was not a single person who didn't say they loved it. Everybody was obsessed with it. But everyone agreed they didn't think it would sell more than 50,000 copies. They were like, way to go, Tracy, but this probably won't be a success. <laughs> they were like so entirely wrong. The album, Tracy Chapman, was released on April 15th, 1988 and went on to sell 13 million copies. It's oh ranked gosh. number, yeah, it's ranked number 10 on the Rolling Stones' 100 best albums of the 80s. Um, in that year, Tracy won the Grammy for Best New Artist and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance, among, like, countless other accolades. So, um, within a few months, she played at the internationally televised concert for Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday party, where her performance was greeted with, like, thunderous applause. Soon, the single Fast Car, which we know and love, began climbing the charts, eventually peaking at number six. The album sales soared along with the single, and by the end of the year, the record had gone multi-platinum. Uh, Tracy's a pretty reserved person when it comes to the public eye, and she's gone to great lengths to keep her private life private. She hasn't really been heard from since her last album released in 2008 called Our Bright Future. Her legacy, Mm -hmm. though, and it's still being written, is one marked by political and social activism. Tracy was once asked about her social activism, and she said, As a child, I always had a sense of social conditions and political situations. I think it had to do with the fact that my mother was always discussing things with my sister and me. Also because I read a lot. A lot of people in similar situations just have a sense that they're poor or disenfranchised, but they don't really think about what's created the situation or what factors don't allow them to control their lives. Along similar lines, in a 1988 Rolling Stones interview, Tracy said, I think people are foolish to believe that there won't be major social changes in this country before we possibly, ultimately, destroy ourselves. There is only so far you can push people before they start to push back, and I've seen that in my life. That's where the things I write about come from. It's wrong not to encourage people to hope or to dream or to even consider what's thought to be impossible. That's the only thing that keeps people alive sometimes. For me and my family, That was one of the only things that kept us going, she said. At first glance, and even in my, like, pop culture memory, Tracy's most popular song off her first album, Fast Car, is a story about someone wanting to get away. You know, just at first glance, it's like, oh yeah, relatable. Take off, be free, drive fast. 
But as I delve further into Tracy's music, Fast Car holds the same theme of disenfranchisement as seen in so many of her songs. Here are some of the lyrics. You got a fast car. We go cruising to entertain ourselves. You still ain't got a job, and I work in the market as a checkout girl. I know things will get better. You'll find work, and I'll get promoted. We'll move out of the shelter, buy a bigger house, and live in the suburbs. So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car, speed so fast felt like I was drunk. City lights lay out before us, and your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder. And I had a feeling that I belonged. I had a feeling I could be someone. In Across the Lines, also on her debut album, Tracy focuses her attention on racism. Riots ensue after a young black girl is assaulted. And the lyrics read, Little black girl gets assaulted. Don't no one know her name. Lots of people hurt and angry. She's the one to blame. Across the Lines. Who would dare to go under the bridge, over the tracks, that separate white from whites from blacks. Choose sides, run for your life. Tonight the riots begin. On the back streets of America, they kill the dream of America. Tracy wow. is singing as a black woman about the reality of a black child being blamed for her own assault. Mm. All the while performing in a singer-songwriter style of song that is stereotypically considered white. She's cutting across the lines as a writer and a performer as she sings about the death of the American dream. In Why, the song Why, Tracy asks why there is poverty, missiles that are called peacekeepers, starving babies, violence against women. She predicts that victims, the poor and the disenfranchised, will rise up if their questions are not answered. The lyrics say, but somebody's going to have to answer. The time is coming soon when the blind remove their blinders and the speechless speak their truth. One of Tracy's most popular songs off the album is called Talking About a Revolution. She actually performed it on Late Night with Seth Meyers in November of 2020. Wow. It was her first performance in years, and she hasn't done another performance since. Uh, she used the opportunity to encourage people uh, to speak up and use their voice and get out and vote. Um, here are a few lyrics of Talking About a Revolution. While they're standing in the welfare lines crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around waiting for a promotion. Don't you know, talking about a revolution, it sounds like a whisper. Poor people are gonna rise up and get their share. Poor people are gonna rise up and take what's theirs. Cause finally the tables are starting to turn, talking about a revolution. So much of Tracy's music, remind, this, this is the connecting point just in terms of my own spirituality and how it's been affected by Tracy's music. Um, <clears throat> so much of Tracy's music reminds me of Matthew 5 when Jesus turns things upside down. Jesus' entire ministry, talking about the kingdom of God belonging to the poor and disenfranchised. You know, I've, I look at Tracy and hear Tracy and I hear the voice of a prophet, you know, saying, um, are you paying attention? And mm -hmm. as well as reminding the listener that there's hope. And maybe hope comes in forms that are unsettling, but, but that there's hope, you know? And like I mentioned before, Tracy's a private person. As far as her own faith journey goes, she did an interview in 2009 with NPR. Um, and she was asked about her song, Save Us All. And Save Us All is on um, her 2008 album, our bright future and she said this about save us all she said i happen to have a number of friends who are very interested in religion and who are studying religion so we talk about it all the time 
And then, of course, in recent years in the United States, it's really something that you can't avoid in the public spirit, in that there's discussion of religion and politics and really everything. With this song, I think about my own history with religion. I was raised in a Baptist tradition, but then I went to an Episcopalian high school, and they were very accepting of people of all faiths. I think I was very influenced by that and notions of intolerance that some people have about other religious traditions. I think in some ways, because of, you know, my own background, that doesn't make sense to me. I started thinking about how we sometimes need to be saved from the people who think they need to save us. I really, that, like, that struck a chord in me, that -hmm. sometimes we need to be saved from the people who think they need to save us. And I don't know much about Tracy's faith journey, um, but in listening to Save Us All, it sounds like she knows something about God, and I'm listening and learning. This is part of that song. It says, I know Jesus loves me. In my heart, I know it's true. I know Mary's little baby came into the world just to save me. I don't know about you. My God's a mighty big God. My God can shake the world up. Plagues and famines, frogs and locusts, walking on water, burning bushes, rolling the thunder, parting the waters too. My God is good in the kitchen, makes a good meal from bread and fishing, feeds the hungry, pours the wine. Everybody's welcome to have a good time. Sit at his table, enjoy the food. When I look at Tracy, I'm overwhelmed with respect for her consistency. Her voice has been piercing, cutting to the quick from the very beginning of her career, and she's never bent to become more palatable. She is who she is. She owns her life, her words, and her songs, and she is in control of how much or how little about her is known. She's drawn that line in the sand and still made a profound impact on the world through her art. And I think that's really amazing. The last thing I'll share about Tracy is this. In the yearbook from her senior year at Wooster, she is one of the few students who didn't choose a song lyric to run alongside her photo while her classmates picked words from songs from Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, Stevie Nicks. Her choice was from the black feminist poet Nikki Giovanni. And it says, there's always something to do. There are hungry people to feed, naked people to clothe, sick sick people to comfort and make well. And while I don't expect you to save the world, I do think it's not asking too much for you to love those whom you sleep, share the happiness of those whom you call friend, engage those among you who are visionary, and remove from your life those who offer you depression, despair, and disrespect. So, Tracy Chapman. What a wonder. It was really, wow. really amazing. I mean, I, I knew, had an idea of who she was, and I knew that her music had made an impact in my life, but I, I had never studied her to this length, and I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She, like, in my mind, I've always thought of her as, like, an observational prophet, you know, like, oh, yeah. up there with Marvin Gaye and Nina Simone and... You know, like her song talking about a revolution, in it's it's like the same song in my mind as what's going on from Marvin Gaye. Um, yeah. Just thinking, and I, that line is so powerful. You know, it it sounds like a whisper. Like I think about that yeah. in almost every sermon I write. <laughs> you know, yeah. it sounds like a whisper. It's like in Hamilton where he says those two lines. There's one. It's like this is not a moment. It's the movement. And then when Angelica says, "You want a revolution. I want a revelation." And I think Mm. just like turning this idea of like such a small understanding of what it means for social change into something big and cosmic and sacred. And 
I love Tracy Chapman. And I was introduced to her through her song Crossroads. And mm-hmm. it came up on like my Pandora station 10 years ago or something. And uh, I was so struck by it. And it's like, it has like this downbeat and um, it starts off with like all these people telling me how to run my life, but I've never known to compromise. And then the chorus is um, this re- repetitive, save my soul, save myself. And mm. just this claim of like herself and her authenticity and her autonomy um, I come back to that song a lot. I just, but that was my introduction to her and I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. A prophet. That's the word I kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so fascinating that she's been out of the public eye since 2008. You know, I just, it's, that was our senior year of high school. You know, we've lived a whole life since then. And mm-hmm. if she never released more music, I would respect it. But the moment she does, I just, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait because yeah. I think we've all been holding our breath. Like, what does she have to say right now? What are what are her mm-hmm. thoughts about what's going on? And in so many ways, again, the voice of a prophet, her songs are as relevant as ever. And yet I'm, I just want to know, you know, what her, but, but I will forever respect her silence too, you know? Mm-hmm. And she said over and over in a diff- different interviews, they would say, what, what do you think about fill in the blank? And she'd say, the songs speak for themselves. Or they would say, <laughs> what, what inspired this? And, you know, they'd be fishing for, tell us something of your heart. Give us a piece of yourself. And she would say, the song speaks for itself. And, oh, that alone, as, as someone who's a musician, and, and maybe even, you know, as a woman just feeling like, I owe the world an explanation about anything. It was a really wonderful, refreshing thing to see her consistent, you don't get to tell me what to do voice, you know. I'll give you as much of myself as I want to. And the songs are my gift, so appreciate them. Let them speak. That's Tracy. Okay, Ashley, who's your pick? Okay, my pick is the uh, inimitable Alicia Keys. Um, Alicia Keys does everything. So she is a 15-time Grammy award-winning artist, songwriter, musician, producer, accomplished actor, and entrepreneur. She's been a producer in film, television, Broadway. She's an activist, and she's also a New York Times bestselling author. So she's a modern-day Renaissance woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you might know her from her skyrocketing radio hits, Girl on Fire, No One, If I Ain't Got You. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg of her hits. Um, In terms of her own spirituality, Alicia Keys describes herself as very spiritual, finding meaning in her meditation practice as a way of accessing the divine feminine. So she has partnered with Deepak Chopra, a world-renowned meditation guru, to make meditation more accessible to people. And in a USA Today article, Keys talks about her connection to the divine feminine, writing, I believe the divine feminine is an extremely powerful force within all of us. It has characteristics that we associate with mothering. It helps you grow. It helps you create. It cultivates who you are. And one of the reasons we give the earth the title of Mother Earth is because of the divine feminine. Everything grows on earth. She feeds you. She holds you cares for you and supports you make sure you're good and the caretakers among us know it it requires a lot of strength and energy to do that the divine feminine is all about the associations we have with a nurturing mother 
And that force is within each of us, waiting to be uncoiled. So I chose Alicia Keys because every album she has released since her 2016 album, Here, has made me think about my life and myself differently. So Here, spelled H-E-R-E, departs from a more pop, radio-friendly sound that marked her earlier music and moves into an experimental sound. And it details the social struggles of African-American life. And her song on the album, Holy War, discusses the way that we have made war holy and sexuality obscene. In this song and in every album since, the music is raw and it has moments of imperfection. Her voice cracks, the note is too high or too low, but not in an off-putting way. It's actually really engaging and it draws you in and it's well-placed so that it just increases the authenticity of her music. The entire album of Here is about embodiment. And I think Keys has been so influential in my life because of her radical commitment to authenticity. We both read her memoir, More Myself, and Mm -hmm. in it, she chronicles her journey from breaking into the music scene and struggling with her sound to finding herself again and claiming her power. And this commitment to authenticity is really inspiring to me as a former good girl, always wanting to please others and be seen as a good Christian, I mean, she has me asking, what does good even mean? Who defines good? You know, who controls that? And in an interview with Brene Brown, Keith said, I've realized that good girl syndrome is all up inside of us, so bad and so heavy, and we literally will break our necks and to the detriment of ourselves, anything, so that you will just know that I'm a good girl. Please don't think I'm not a good girl. And we will choke ourselves and kill ourselves to be a good girl. So while writing her memoir, Keys was also recording her album, Alicia, and in it she touches on voting rights, police brutality, essential workers, the pandemic, and she dreams of a more unified world. And her songs, Authors of Forever, compels us to think about how the future is in our hands, as cliche as that sounds. But when Alicia says it, it doesn't sound cliche. It sounds like it's the only option we have. Yeah. So her latest album, Keys, released last year, and it mixes the best part of her experimental work with her musical genius that consistently wins her Grammys. It's really, really good. And she partners with a bunch of different people, including country and Americana singers, Natalie Hemby and Brandi Carlisle. Ah, who we love. Who we love. Yes, her song with Natalie Hemby is called Daffodils, and it's an ode to how things change. But take heart, because the rain makes the seeds grow and eventually flowers appear. It's a call to surrender to the processes of life as something beautiful. And I actually feel like we could sing it in church, like maybe on Earth Day or something. It's really lovely. Mm -hmm. So I want to end talking about Alicia Keys with an excerpt from her book, More Myself, which if you have any interest in at all in Alicia Keys, it is an excellent memoir. So she writes, nothing but uncertainty is certain. Circumstances come together only to fall apart moments or months later. And then in a flash, we must rise up and regain our footing. In the rearview mirror, I see so clearly what escaped me then. It's not that the ground underneath me was suddenly shifting. It's that the ground underneath us is never still. That's part of the work of my journey, getting comfortable with life's groundlessness. And I feel like this is the perfect description of our experience during the pandemic. What we thought was solid ground beneath us has actually always been shifting sand. And rather than fight that, we should learn to be comfortable with a groundlessness 
making the certainty or uncertainty our friend, living the questions, as the poet Rilke said. That's a spiritual practice that takes a lifetime and that Alicia Keys gives to us. Yeah. And she's a mother, and I think reading her book, the way she talks about mothering was really important to me. And um, as an artist, you know, just how she... It was as if mothering just like unlocked something in her, you know, just Mm -hmm. just this, it wasn't like it was a threat to her creativity or a threat to her career. She didn't frame it like that at all. It was, it just seemed instant and instinctual that mothering was, was just a part of her journey that just furthered her becoming, you know, and, and enhanced her life in just this incredible way. And that that was meaningful to me too and and that it involves its own uncertainty you know just shifting sands beneath our feet like how how you know how to be ourselves and in charge of keeping little people alive and and <laughs> i i just i loved i loved how she wrote about that and how she's lived that yeah yeah it's, i feel like it's just a thread and you know we get some backstory of her life and her mom and her piano teacher. And um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just a thread of her music too. I mean, with her song, um, she has a song on here called Blended Family. And it's like a love letter to her stepdaughter. And mm-hmm. um, like, she's talking about how her and her father met and how beautiful their family is now that it's blended and um, has come together and it's stronger. and um that they've got each other's back and and then on her album Alicia she has a dog or she has a song called Underdog and it's talking about like nurses and mothers and and just how she can find like just kind of what we might consider like earthy or something and just like lifts it up as just beautiful and like the epitome of life and something to be celebrated and that like nothing is cast aside without a thought you know like it's all just kind of taken in as part of the the beautiful tapestry of our life yeah 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 she's another example of someone who could have so easily been told exactly what to be in it and she writes in her book about how early in her career she had to say no a lot to say that's Mm -hmm. not me that's not me that's not me that's not alicia that's not me um and what an honor it's been to like watch her just totally become this like I don't even know how to put words around her uh it's she's just a fascinating person and I'm so grateful um for both of these examples of women who you know from the very beginning had such a sense of resolve with I know who I am and I know that I belong to myself and that's really inspiring and beautiful Mm -hmm. Ashley do you want to end us in a blessing like you end us on all our podcasts okay okay our benediction is from Howard Thurman an early 20th century black theologian and he wrote a book called Jesus and the Disinherited and it will change your life Um, he was also a contemplative and wrote a fantastic book of meditations called meditations of the heart and our benediction is from that collection So I'll share just an excerpt from one of his meditations called Sing a New Song, which I felt was appropriate for our Music Monday podcast. Mm -hmm. So I invite you to come to a place of stillness 
and groundedness, whether that means you've got both feet on the floor or you're sitting upright or maybe you're laying down. Receive this benediction. I will sing a new song. As difficult as it is, I must learn the new song that is capable of meeting the new need. I must fashion new words born of all the new growth in my life, my mind, and my spirit. I must prepare for new melodies that have never been mine before, that all that is within me may lift my voice unto God. And how I love the old familiarity of the wearied melody, how I shrink from the harsh discords of the new untried harmonies. So teach me, my Father, that I might learn with the abandonment and enthusiasm of Jesus, the fresh new accent, the untried melody, to meet the need of the untried morrow. Thus, I may rejoice with each new day and delight my spirit in each fresh unfolding. I will sing this day a new song unto thee, O God. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.